welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. We live in a safety-conscious world. And to be entirely honest with you, I am incredibly grateful for all of the advancements that we have made in 21st century America to help protect us and to keep us safe. I'm thankful for vehicles with airbags and seatbelts and all those kinds of things. I'm thankful for advanced warning systems on hurricanes. I'm thankful for how safe it is to fly in airplanes. Uh, On the other hand, uh, I got uh, an Amazon package delivery today, and the delivery instructions included this statement, please give drivers at least six feet of space to safely complete your delivery. I can say that I'm not completely convinced that there is much, if any, risk uh, involved in a delivery man handing me my package directly. And I don't feel any safer because he stood six feet away from me instead of five. But today's podcast is not about Amazon delivery drivers, as fascinating as perhaps that may be. Today's podcast is about how risk-averse we are as 21st century Americans and, as I would suggest, the damaging results that has in every facet of our lives. And hopefully, as we get into this today, you will see the connection between this topic and the modern social justice movement. To start off, I want to share a couple of quotes from the book, The Coddling of the American Mind. But first, uh, a little background. The authors of the book noted that college students beginning in 2013 came to college with a different mindset uh, than ever before. College students came to college with the expectation that their professors existed to keep them safe, not just from physical harm, but from ideological harm. College students began seeking uh, of their own initiatives safe spaces, and they wanted articles, books, essays, so on and so forth to be equipped and prefaced with trigger warnings. In general, people today are much more risk-averse and fearful of the consequences of ideological harm. The authors write this, quote, Many of the important systems in our economic and political life are like our immune systems. They require stressors and challenges in order to learn, adapt, and grow, end quote. Yes, we would agree. Though a little later, we will talk about a more rigorous biblical reason why we need to expose ourselves to risk, but this is correct. Those who fail to expose themselves to risk and stressors end up having weak immune systems, mentally speaking, at least. Uh, The authors go as far as to say this, quote, The modern obsession with protecting young people from feeling unsafe is, we believe, one of the several causes of the rapid rise in rates of adolescent depression, anxiety, and suicide, end quote. Then they say this, There's an old saying, prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. This is part of the parenting task. Our job as parents is to prepare our children for the road, adversity, and all. Uh, Progressive activist and Barack Obama advisor Van Jones said this in regard to college safe spaces, quote, I don't want you to be safe ideologically. I don't want you to be safe emotionally. I want you to be strong. That's different. I'm not going to pave the jungle for you. Put on some boots and learn how to deal with adversity. 
I'm not going to take all the weights out of the gym. That's the whole point of the gym. This is the gym, end quote. And of course, there's also the age-old illustration of the butterfly emerging from its chrysalis. If you help the butterfly out of the chrysalis, you possibly could cripple the butterfly. The butterfly is strengthened by the fight and the suffering that it faces. The butterfly is prepared for life because of the suffering. In his book uh, entitled Risk is Right, John Piper observes this. He says, we cannot avoid risk even if we want to. Ignorance and uncertainty about tomorrow is our native air. All of our plans for tomorrow's activities can be shattered by a thousand unknowns, whether we stay at home under the covers or ride the freeways. One of my aims is to explode the myth of safety and to somehow deliver you from the enchantment of security. Because it's a mirage, it doesn't exist. Every direction you turn, there are unknowns and things beyond your control. In other words, we do not live in a risk-free world, so get used to it. If you get into an airplane, you can crash. If you hide under your bed sheets, you can have a heart attack. Piper then says this, The futility of finding a risk-free place to stand has paralyzed many of us. The issue is not whether we will face risk. The issue is how much risk we will take. There's a difference between taking the risk to start your own business and the risk involved in cliff diving or even rooftop parkour. I'm not advocating for irrational risk. I'm advocating for a level-headed look at the trade-off involved. Rooftop parkour is where you jump from one tall building to another. The return on investment is horrible on that. There's a high risk and low payoff. If you fail, you plummet to your death. If you succeed, all you've gotten uh, are some bragging rights to say that you jumped across buildings, but that's really not that valuable. The issue then is how much risk you ought to tolerate. What is concerning to me for the topic at hand is not physical risks, but ideological ones. I'll leave the topic of physical risks for someone else to tackle. It used to be the case that people I disagreed with were eager, or at least open, to talking together about our disagreements. This actually used to be a big talking point amongst my liberal friends. They advocated for us to listen to one another and to dialogue and to talk and to discuss things. Not so anymore, at least on the whole. People today believe there is real risk in dialoguing with someone you disagree with ideologically. This is why trigger warnings and all those kinds of things. And here's where this topic touches the modern social justice movement. Today's social justice warriors want everybody to listen to them, but they don't want to listen to anybody else. They believe that they can be harmed. They believe that they can actually be harmed by someone else's perspective and that they need to be protected from it. And by the way, This is not just a problem uh, uh, among liberals. This is something that is increasingly becoming true among conservatives. And we have, um, maybe not for all of it, but we have social media to thank for a large part of this because everybody, no matter what their ideology is, lives in their own little echo chamber, never having to be exposed to anything they disagree with. When we try to make our lives as safe as possible, We bypass the risk that is necessary for building friendships and having meaningful conversations with those that we disagree with. We are, of course, a strange people, 
just take a look at the movies that you've watched over the last year and try to find one that did not involve any risk. I'll bet you can't even find one. And if you do happen to find any, they will certainly be in the minority. Why is this the case? Because good stories involve risk-taking, and we know it. We're a strange people because we love watching movies and reading books about others taking risks, but we don't want to take any of our own. But the Bible does give us plenty of examples of the inherent goodness of risk. Consider Paul's famous statement from Philippians 1, verse 21, For me to live as Christ and die is gain. That is a statement of risk. Paul could have eliminated the risk and adopted a safety mindset if he just stopped preaching the gospel. Or consider Queen Esther in uh, Esther 4, 15 through 16. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. That is a statement of risk. And you and I, of course, know the end of that story, but Esther did not. She really could have died. Or consider Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3, 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. That is a statement of risk. And as Christians, we ought to live risk-oriented lives. Bonhoeffer said to delay or fail to make decisions may be more sinful than to make wrong decisions out of faith and love. And I think on the whole, that statement is true. The example of this that I think of is when I hear Christians criticize other Christians on their evangelistic strategy. Okay, yes, I understand. Maybe that guy did come across as a dork because he was door knocking in 100 degree weather with a full suit on and a King James Bible at his side with a Bible case and handing out chick tracks. But at least he's sharing the gospel while you're at home scrolling Instagram. We're going to mess up in some of our decisions, but at least we ought to be out there making decisions. And of course, be humble and grow and let the Lord lead and listen to the input of others. But take some risk. Piper gives some more examples of risk-taking in the Bible. <clears throat> he says this, quote, Paul never knew where the next blow could come from. Every day he risked his life for the cause of God. The roads weren't safe. The rivers weren't safe. His own people, the Jews, weren't safe. The Gentiles weren't safe. The cities weren't safe. The wilderness wasn't safe. The sea wasn't safe. Even the so-called Christian brothers weren't safe. Safety was a mirage. It didn't exist for the Apostle Paul. He had two choices, waste his life or live with risk. And he answered this choice clearly, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He never knew what the day would hold, but the Calvary road beckoned, and he risked his life every day, and this was right, end quote. Then Piper gives a little later on the story of Caleb. Uh, he says this, quote, Caleb was unable to explode the myth of safety. The people were gripped by the beguiling enchantment of security, the notion that there is a sheltered way of life apart from the path of God-exalting obedience. They murmured against Moses and Aaron and decided to go back to Egypt, 
the great mirage of safety. And then he continues, but not even Joshua could explode the myth of safety. The people were drunk in a dream world of security, and they tried to stone Caleb and Joshua. The result was thousands of wasted lives and wasted years. It was clearly wrong not to take the risk of battling the giants in the land of Canaan. Oh, how much is wasted when we do not risk for the cause of God, end quote. James White said this, he said, safism is the religion of cowardice. Safism destroys growth and the necessary hard knocks that make us strong, thinking, developed adults. The generation that is selling our liberty for safety was trained from the start to value immaturity and coddling. Of course, risk does involve the chance of loss. You risk your life when you drive to work. You risk your health when you smoke cigarettes. Some risks are good risks and some risks are bad risks. Some risks are wise ones and some risks are foolish ones. Nobody wants to experience loss, but that is a risk we take every day. You see, the issue isn't whether we will take risks, but what kind of risks we will take. To be risk-averse is to seek to protect yourself from loss. You avoid risk because you don't want to lose something. But the problem that many fail to see is that there is a trade-off. Refraining from risk involves a loss too. In fact, I would say it involves a bigger loss. The risk-averse person... Uh, does not succeed in accomplishing his goal. He still opens himself up to loss, just a different kind of loss. <laughs> Friendship evangelism is a great example of this. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with this phrase, friendship evangelism is kind of this uh, strategy where instead of uh, going up to someone outright and sharing the gospel with them and telling them the good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection— uh, friendship evangelism is where you uh, seek to befriend the person first before you share the gospel with them, and you take um, sometimes years to build a friendship, and then once you are friends and you have some rapport built with the person, then you can go ahead and share uh, the gospel. The danger of this, of course, is that you end up never sharing the gospel many times. And so it's a good example of this, to share Christ with an unbeliever, involves a certain degree of risk. Depending on your context, it could result in the loss of a friendship, of the loss of a job, the loss of credibility, or the loss of any number of things. Someone reasons to himself that uh, he might be able to avoid that risk and potential loss by becoming a good friend of this person first, friendship evangelism. And then the gospel, gospel can be shared in the context of a close, intimate friendship that would prevent any risk of loss. The problem is that this isn't the elimination of risk, but rather the trading of one kind of risk for another kind of risk. The risk of friendship evangelism is obvious, that you'll spend your whole life never sharing the gospel or rarely sharing the gospel with anyone because it takes you years to build up trust and friendship. You haven't avoided risk. You've taken on a different kind of risk. The Apostle Paul wasn't willing to take on that kind of a risk, and neither should we. We should share the gospel liberally, knowing that we might lose our job, we might lose our friends, we might lose our credibility, we might lose our popularity. The problem is that people want all of the rewards and none of the risks. And if you'll permit me uh, to steal a Chesterton quote here and rework it for my own purposes, we could say that there are two kinds of people, those who take risk and know it, 
and those who take risk and don't know it. If you spend all day indoors under blankets, sipping lattes, watching Disney+, and scrolling TikTok, you're not escaping risk. You're just exchanging one type of risk for another. Sure, you may never experience the losses involved in risk, but neither will you experience the benefits. You may never experience the loss of losing a friend, but neither will you know the joy of having one. You may never experience the rejection involved in sharing the gospel, but neither will you know its delights. And according to the authors of The Coddling of the American Mind, you're also risking depression, anxiety, and suicide. I'm reminded of Proverbs 26.13 that says, The sluggard says there is a lion in the road, there is a lion in the streets. Proverbs 26.13 is the life verse of the cult of safism. Christ, on the other hand, calls us to take risk for the sake of the kingdom. What are you waiting for? Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.